0: Welcome to Rancho Baptist Church. This message was brought to you by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. Pastor Jason Swanson is our senior pastor here at RBC, and this message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning services. And today Pastor Jason finishes his Christmas series. Today is part five in a sermon he's entitled Proclaimed to the World. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter two. Today Jason is looking at verses one through twelve. Let's join Jason now in his sermon.
1: I am Pastor Jason and welcome again to Rancho Baptist Church. We are excited that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. We are continuing a Christmas series and actually this morning we are going to be finishing this Christmas series and I hope that you have enjoyed this, this travel, this walk through God's Word as, as we were preparing our hearts for Christmas and, and maybe you're like me now that Christmas is over you 're you're, you're kind of bummed and depressed a little bit i i don 't know did, did anybody else wake up the day after christmas and this is how it was when I was little and and, and this is still kind of continued on. I, I was just a, a, a little a little bit down why because the the excitement of all the anticipation and all the expectancy of coming up to Christmas is built and and, and now we we did it right and, and Christmas is over. And maybe on top of that, it was the fact that the Lakers lost to the Clippers that, that really, you know, yeah, made it that much more miserable for me to get up the next day and then listen to everybody. No, there's just one in my family that happens to be a Clippers fan. And, and so maybe that added to it. But I think the reality is, to a certain extent, we, we all wish that it would be a forever Christmas day, don't we? Where, where we would be just mindful, so much so, of, of family and of Christ and all that we have in Him. But the reality is that, that we get distracted by so many things. And so this morning, I want to I present us from God's Word. Or present to us. Let us consider, what, what do we do after Christmas what should be your mindset? What should be my mindset? What should we be thinking about? Especially recognizing that we're coming into the new year. We, we are going to be hitting 2020 here in just a couple days. Have you considered that? Have you thought about what it looks like for you going on into 2020? What does the Lord desire of you? And what we are going to do today is we are going to look at Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to look at the Magi, we're going to look at the wise men, and we're going to watch them, we're going to walk with them in their journey. And as we do that, the first thing that we will see, and this is kind of an overall perspective on on what the Lord is is teaching us, He's, he's going to teach us some definite things through the Magi, through the wise men. But what he really wants us to walk away with an understanding of is, is this, that what we've seen in the, in the coming of the King is, is we, we first went back to the prophets, right? And, and we saw from, from way back when, even going all the way back to Genesis 3, that it was always God's plan. It was the intention of His will, of His wonderful sovereign purpose to go ahead and to have someone come who was going to crush Satan, who was going to make a way back to God. As sin entered the world, we saw God's grace being manifested, being promised. And you, and you might think that then as it, as it went from Genesis 3, then, then we get to Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15, Genesis 17, you get to Abraham. And you see that the promise is given to Abraham as well. The promise that through one of his seed, the whole world would be blessed. And and we might walk away with this understanding that, that it's all about the Jews. That it's all about the Jewish people as God chose them. That through them, the Savior would come. And, and, and we could watch that. We could actually thread that through all of God's Word in the Old Testament. Almost like a needle, right? The promise of the coming one. And then, and then we'd, we'd see it in the life of Isaac. We'd see it in the, the life of Jacob. We'd see it even in Moses. We would see it in King David. And then as, as we get to the new Testament and as, as we saw, we looked at the shepherds and, and well, we can look at them as being Jewish. And then, and then we come to Mary and Joseph and who are that? Well, they're Jewish. So we could walk away thinking, Oh, perhaps that is God's heart. God's heart is limited. God's heart is only for the Jews, but we know from the book of acts and from the old Testament, as well as what we will see today, that God's heart is not just for the Jews. And this is very clearly presented to us right away in Matthew chapter 2 with the visit of the Magi, these wise men, who came from of all places, came from the east. We could think of Mary and Joseph and the Jewish people being from the west. And and now we see the gospel offered. We see the birth of Christ presented to those in the east, the, the other people, right? Which would include all the people of the world. We, we could look at Mary and Joseph as being, being the poor. And yet, as we look at these magi, these wise men, they're not poor, they're rich. And they're the learned. And, and what does this speak to us of? This speaks to us of God's wonderful grace. That His desire is that all nations would praise Him. That all nations would be brought in to a place where they can indeed worship Him. And that is what we're going to walk away with, what, with God's purpose for displaying to us this visit of the Magi, the, the, this long journey that these wise men go on. It's all for one particular purpose. And do you know what that purpose is? It's not just to follow a star. It's not so that we could talk about a star. It's not even so that we can talk about the wise men. It's so that we could come and we could, along with them, worship. This wonderful God. And that's who we are going to see this morning. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 to 12. And recognize too that as we, as we look at this, we will see this contrast. We will see how the wise men respond. And how the wise men go to such great lengths, to such a long journey, all for the particular purpose of coming to this baby and worshiping him. And then we're going to see in contrast to that how this King Herod responds and even how all of Jerusalem responds, which is entirely different. So a follow along with me is as we look at Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. And as what we will see this morning is that this coming king, the Lord Jesus Christ, will be proclaimed to the world. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod heard, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For this is what has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, We thank You so much for this time of year. We thank You for the reminder that's all around us of our Savior's birth, Lord. And we desire not to forget about this, Lord. We desire that every day we would be reminded of You, that we would remember You, that we would seek You, that we would learn more of You, Lord, and that ultimately we would worship You. So guide our time now in your word. Allow your Holy Spirit to be our our teacher and our guide. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So as I said, what we are going to see is yes, that... This coming of the King is proclaimed to the world. God's heartbeat is not just solely for the nation of Israel. It's not just for the Jewish people. In fact, all along, God's heart was to use the Jewish people to be His instrument to reach the world. And so it makes perfect sense now that so early on in the life of Jesus, shortly after His birth, that we see the Gospel reaching out, going to the east, extending the gospel to all of the peoples of the world. And yet on top of this, there are some things for us to learn from these magi, from these wise men, as we will see that that first they seek the king and then we will see that the king is revealed to them. And and finally, we will see that the king is worshiped. And no matter where you are this morning. Have you finished seeking the Lord? Are you done? Is that something you could say, oh yes, I've done that enough now. I don't need to keep seeking the Lord as to what He has for me, as to what He wants to teach me, how how He wants me to grow in this or to grow in that. Could you say that? I don't think any of us could say that. Could you say that as far as what God has revealed to you about Himself, that you now have learned it all? That that it's a done deal. There's nothing more for you to learn from the Scriptures. There's nothing more to, for you to learn about our great God. No! And finally, regarding your worship, would you say this morning that yes, okay, you have a handle on worship. And that every day you are worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Or are you still like me? You get distracted. And, and you get into a routine where sometimes you forget about Him. And now as we look forward into the new year, let, let us follow and, and step with these Magi and learn from them. What we need to learn in order to honor Him in the coming year. And first, what is the thing that we can learn from them? We can learn this challenging lesson the King is sought. That they are indeed seekers. And we need to be seekers of the Lord. Look at verses 1 and 2. As the King is sought. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Okay, let me stop there and, and... Okay, I I might rain on some of your parades this morning because we're going to let God's word inform our thinking instead of movies that we've seen regarding the manger scene, regarding these wise men, just as we we learned some things about the shepherd, we're going to learn some things now that that God word that God's word needs to be the thing that guides us. And so for those of you who have been thinking up to this point, that, that the shepherd's Arrive, And that right after the shepherds, that same night, here come these magi, here come these wise men. That, that's not the case. Because it says after Jesus was born in, in Bethlehem of Judea, it's after Jesus' birth where these men come. In fact, we're going to see that they don't even come to the same place where Jesus was born. And and look at this too, when it says after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Does it say three Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem? No, all it is is a plural noun. So what it means is Magi, plural, more than one. We don't know if that means two, three, four, five, it could be ten. We're not certain how many Magi showed up. And went on this long journey. Why do most people assume that it's three? Well, because we know when we get to the end. And we get to verse 11. We're going to see that they present three gifts. So it naturally follows. Well, there must have only been three wise men. But that isn't what God's word says. Are you following me? Okay. Let, let's go on. Because there's so much truth contained in here. So when does this happen? In the, in the days of Herod the king. Magi from the east. Notice here too, it doesn't tell us exactly what part of the east they came from. Commentaries, they have written books about where these guys... Oh no, they came from Babylon. Oh no, they came from Media Persia. Oh no, they're related to Daniel. Oh no, they're not. Well, we, we just know that they're from the east. And that they arrived in Jerusalem saying this, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Isn't this odd? Okay... Think about this. These are not Jewish people, right? These are not people that you would think have the scrolls of the Old Testament in their hands. They're not whipping out the the scroll of Isaiah. They're not whipping out the scroll of Micah and reading them every day. And yet, what do they say? They say, where is the king of the Jews? They have some sort of understanding of the Jewish faith. They knew that a king was coming. That there was a king promised to the nation of Israel who would come where do they get this knowledge we're not told why i believe so that we would know what the most important thing is and the most important thing about the story is not the the wise men it's not whether or not they had there was three or four or five there's something much more significant that the lord is revealing to us and you might think oh i know what it is pastor jason it's his star for that's the next thing that we see, right? So we where is he who has been born King of the Jews? So we're not certain where they learned about this, but they learned about it from somewhere. For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Oh, that must be what it, this is all about. It's about the star. The star that appeared. And is the star significant? Oh, yes, it is significant. And yet, where did they learn about this? Because they... They recognize that this star has some sort of affiliation, some sort of significance with this coming king. And yet, even though I looked at commentary after commentary after commentary, and many of them give all sorts of reasons why the star is so important, there's hardly anything in God's word that points to a star that is going to be the one that, that's going to announce the birth of the king of the Jews, the savior of the world. And who are these men? They're called magi. What what does that mean? It it can mean two different things. It it can mean those that are that are given to like sorcery and and, and witchcraft. Or it can mean those that are wise men as far as the stars go, that, that look at the stars, that are students of the stars. And obviously in this context, it's it's not talking about sorcerers or, or witchcraft or anything like that. It's talking about men who study the stars. And isn't God gracious in the way that, that He allows these men to come to an understanding that the King of the Jews has been born? He speaks to them, so to speak, in their language, in the language of the stars, something that they would recognize as oh so significant. And we see this other phrase too where, where it says, okay, so we saw his star. So they, they recognize that this star is related to this king of the Jews. And then, it, and then they also say this, this, his star in the east. In the Greek, you could, you could translate that instead of in the east as the star that arose. So it could mean that they've been watching the stars every day or every night. And, and one particular evening they see a star arise from the east and they know that that is the star. That is the star that someone told them about that will be pointing to the king of the Jews. And as a result of, of seeing that, they then know, okay, yes, let's go. But it's not based totally just upon the natural revelation of the star, but it's also based on special revelation that God has made it known to them because they knew about this king of the Jews. So, somebody somewhere must have given them some understanding of biblical truth, but in all of this so is that what 's significant is Is it the star is it the magi is it King Herod who we we will see next is important and I would say no what what is truly the most significant thing is the thing that we need to walk away with this morning in an understanding is The reason why they went on this journey, they didn't merely follow after a star. They weren't trying to go and get rich. They weren't going to visit family or friends. It says that they were going in order to worship him. And notice what they say about this king of the Jews, who king of the Jews, who has been born king of the Jews, not who will become the king of the Jews. They already recognize by faith that He is indeed the King of the Jews. Not that He will become, and they also recognize that He has indeed been born. They are taking all of this by faith. How about you this morning? As, as you look back in Christmas that we just celebrated, do you truly believe that that represents the Messiah? That that's who Jesus is. That he indeed was a real historical person. And that he was indeed 100% man and he was 100% God. And I believe these men, as little as they know, as they knew, they did recognize that. And just think about what that means to us, right? If these guys who, who were functioning under really a limited knowledge, All that they knew was that there was going to be a coming king of the Jews born sometime and that the star had some sort of something to do with him being born. That's all that they knew. How much more so do we know? Because these men were willing to travel all this way and to bring costly gifts. And they were willing to come and worship him. Should we not be even more so willing to worship him? Day after day after day, not just on Christmas, but on every day. And should this not be something that we commit ourselves to, that we consider as we are coming into the new year? Have you thought about such a thing? As we begin our new year this week, what is your attitude towards the Lord coming? Returning. What, what is your attitude towards what the Lord has done for you on the cross? What is your attitude towards worship? What, what is your attitude towards seeking Him? All of these things we can learn from these magi. But you know what makes the journey of these, these Gentile wise men even more incredible? Isn't where they're from. Isn't how many there, there were. Isn't even the star. But some of what adds even more to it is, is what we see in verses 3 to 6. How King Herod and the, and the rest of Jerusalem responds. Because not everybody responds the way these wise men do. Look at verses 3 to 6. When Herod the king heard this, that these wise men had come and that they were asking where the king of the Jews was born, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So what is the first thing that we learn about Herod? And who is King Herod? King Herod is is known as Herod the Great. And and do you know why he was called Herod the Great? Because he was this great builder. And And he liked to construct extravagant things. And he actually was used by the Lord to reconstruct the temple. But what's even more significant than that is the fact that Herod had a bit of a complex. When it, when it says that, that, that when Herod heard about this, he was troubled, it, it doesn't mean that he was just slightly troubled. And the Greek is is much, much deeper than this. It it, it gives the idea that that literally he was shaking. He, He was stirred up to the point of becoming agitated. Why would this agitate him so much? Well, because he was the king of the Jews. Because he looked at himself as the king of the Jews. Because the entire... Empire of Rome had given him the title King of the Jews. And he had spent his entire political career, basically his life, trying to make that happen. And whatever he needed to do in order to keep himself being the King of the Jews or make him into being the King of the Jews, that's what he did. To such an extent that, that when Herod thought his wife was getting in the way, he killed her. When, when he thought his mother was getting in the way, he killed her. When he thought his two sons were vying and, and, and somehow going to take over his kingship, he killed them. That, that's the kind of man that he was. And, and so then it follows that, that he naturally reacts negatively when he hears that some new king has come into town. Even if it's a king that's just been born, he still wants to do He wants to stop it. But then look at... What we need to learn from Herod. For, for we can learn some things from him. First, we can learn how not to respond. We can learn how not to draw the wrong conclusions because the way that Herod should have responded was he should have just been overjoyed. He should have been excited about a new king of the Jews coming. Because recognize what Herod did understand. Because when he gathers all of the chief priests and scribes together, what does he ask them? Does He ask them, where is this King of the Jews? No, He asks them, where was the Messiah to be born? He recognizes that the King of the Jews that's promised in the Scriptures is the Messiah, is the coming Savior. And so He, if anyone, should have recognized, oh man, this is good news. But He doesn't take this as good news. And so you and I, we need to be careful about how we... Draw the wrong conclusions. How we become fixated on self because that's what Herod is. He is fixated on himself. That's all he's concerned with is self. That he would keep holding on to his kingship. So much so that that when it says all of Jerusalem was troubled with him, I don't believe that has anything to do with the coming king. They weren't upset because of what the wise men were asking. I believe that they probably would have been excited to have someone else as their king. But do you know what they were upset about? They were upset that Herod had taken notice. They were upset at the fact that they knew that Herod was going to do something. Because they recognized that when Herod gets fixated on something, that you never know what can happen. And so they recognized that they had to be careful how things were going to work out. Do, do you know that, that Herod was, was looked at as such a, a, a crazed, paranoid king that the emperor Augustus once said this, that it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be one of Herod's sons. That, that's the way that they looked at him. And so when this all happens, their response is because of Herod. Because they do not know what he is going to do, but they understand far too well what he is capable of. This too is a lesson for us, right? Be, be careful how you respond. To how you respond in all sorts of situations. In this case, the way that, that Herod responds, he leads people away from the Lord Jesus Christ. He leads people away from the Messiah, whose birth he's actually asking about. When the Lord could have used him. And so what does he do? He gathers all of, not all of Jerusalem, He's not concerned about all Jerusalem. He just wants to get an answer. And so he gathers the chief priests, which we could construe that to mean the Sadducees. And he, and he gathers the scribes, which we could understand to be the Pharisees. So he gathers all the leaders of the Jewish faith. And he wants an answer. And it would, and it would seem that, that he's really into Understanding who this king is and where he's gonna be born, right? Because because he then asked them, Well, where is this king of the Jews? No, where is this Messiah gonna be born? And we see that God in his and his goodness and his providence has allowed all of the people to have this understanding. Do you get that? They don't say, Oh, we're not certain where this king of the Jews is gonna be born. No, their answer right off the top of their heads, they don't have to spend a whole bunch of time thinking about it. They know that Micah 5.2 is speaking specifically of the coming king, of the Messiah, and that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Well, he's already been born in Bethlehem. But where were all these people? Where were the leaders of the nation of Israel when he was born? They didn't believe it. They still don't believe it. In fact, right now they're more concerned about Herod and how he's going to respond than they are about the fact that their Messiah has come. You know why? Because they got distracted. You and I, we get distracted in exactly the same way. But we see that God, in His His goodness, He doesn't just keep them seeking. As He won't do that with us as well. He will reveal Himself to us. Just as He revealed Himself to these magi, to these wise men. Look at verse 7. As we see the King is revealed. Then Herod secretly called the magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. Well wait, why didn't He just tell them right away, Hey, go search for the child in, in Bethlehem. What, why, does he, that, why does He ask them about the star? Is is it because he's an astronomer? Is it because he's really into the stars? No, this is all part of Herod's wicked, evil plan. What is Herod all about? Herod's all about himself. He doesn't care about the star, but he recognizes that if he comes right out to the wise men and he tells them, hey, you know what? I want to kill this child. So will you tell me, roughly speaking, how long ago you saw the star so that I can then figure out how old this baby is? So then I can wipe out all the children that are within that age and I'll add a couple more years onto it. Then they would say, Whoa, what are you talking about? You are a crazed lunatic king. And so what does he do? He deceives them. He deceives them into thinking that, that he's a good guy and he and he approaches them on something that they would care about, the stars. And so no doubt they're excited about talking about the star. And we know in the way that, that he responds. That what he is into is not into giving worship to this king. Look at verse 16. This is what Herod does with the answer that he receives in in verse 7. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi. Why? Because they didn't go back to him. Like he told them to that we're just about to look at. He became very enraged and and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. That's why he wanted to know the time. Had nothing to do with the star. Had everything to do with this baby born as the king. He wanted to make sure that this king would not live. He wanted to destroy this king. Herod's response is a lie. He is a murderer. He's not a worshiper of Yahweh, even though that's how he presents himself. And and look at verses 8 and 9. So what does he do? He tells them where this baby is born. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way in the star... Which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. So, so what, what is Herod's plan? Is his plan exactly what he says here? No, he's lying. He's deceiving them, thinking that yes, they will go and they will come back to him and they will tell him exactly where this baby is and he can send his brute squad to go there and to wipe out all. And children probably in that particular area. But notice how good God is. That God still uses the mean intention of Herod to accomplish his purpose and his will to bring these wise men to the King of Kings. So that they can worship him. Notice too how he does it. He uses the star. Once again, this is the first time we see the star come back into focus. Where, where was the star in verses three to eight? Right? Where, where has the star been since they made it to Jerusalem? We're not certain. Why? Because the star is not that significant. And and I would say that the star that we see represented in verses one and two, that that's just a normal star. And the fact that it rose, and that's what they recognize. Oh, okay. So this star is is a new star, and and it, but it doesn't lead them. It doesn't go with them. But now what we see here, this is an entirely different kind of star. In fact, I'd say this is like no star that's ever been created. Why? Because this star actually goes before them. It guides them, it leads them from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. What kind of star does that? Only the star that God created to do that does that. And then notice, at least in my Bible... It says that when that star came, that it led them and that it stood over the place where the child was. In, in my Bible, the, that phrase, that the place, is in italics. And the reason for that is, is because it's not in the original language. So, so when they translated this and they interpreted it, they, they put that in there because that is what they believe the meaning is. Well, we walk away many times, and when we think about the way all of this played out, no doubt, because we've seen so many different videos and movies of this, we tend to think of, oh, okay, I got it, Pastor Jason. The star led them, and it was probably about this high, and it just led them, and they kept falling, and then it came right over, right over where Mary and Joseph were, and it went just perched a little bit above the house, and and cool enough, there was actually a hole in the roof that then you know that the light from the star could shine right down onto baby Jesus. I mean, that's a wonderful picture, but it's not true with what God's word says. All it says is this star led them and then rested or stood over the place where the child was. No, it just says stood over the child. Where the child was at. So, so we don't know if it's if it's actually just standing over like four or five houses in that particular area, if it's actually standing over Bethlehem. And, and they recognize, oh, okay, so this is where this is going. It's going just like we were told. Man, look at that. And, and the way that we were expecting things to happen, this is exactly the way that it's happened. And it's according to God's Word on top of all of that. Can you imagine the Lord doing this for them? Remember, these are guys that they're all about the stars. And now God in His, in His goodness and His kindness to them, He leads them by a star. In order to reveal to them the most important thing, which isn't the star, the, the King of kings. And, it, and it's no wonder that, that as all of this transpires, and as the star leads them to where it is leading them, that it ends up like this, that the King is worshipped. It ends in worship. For look at verses 10 to 12. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Let, let me just stop there. Okay, They're not even inside yet. They haven't seen Jesus yet. They haven't seen the baby. All they've seen is the star. And just seeing the star is enough to cause them to rejoice. I, I wonder why they rejoice. Is it solely just because of the star? I, well, you, you could take, a, take it with, with that kind of vantage point that they were so much into this one star that it was like their long lost friend, right? And they saw the star in the beginning and they saw the star disappeared and now it's back again. And they're like, oh, yes, praise, thank you, Lord. Or, or what, whatever they would say up to this point because we don't even know if they're believers. But, but I would tend to think that it goes deeper than that. Perhaps they, they recognize that, that where the star has led them is exactly what Micah the prophet had said. And so they recognize that, that this God, the God of the Israelites, the God of the Jewish people, Yahweh, that He is a God above all gods, that He is the true and one true God. Because He's not only in charge of what is written in His Word, but He is in charge of all the stars, and He can make a star do something that they know a star normally does not do. And maybe that's why they rejoice, or perhaps they rejoice because they recognize their journey is at an end. And that, and that they have come full circle. That they are now ready to go in and see what they know they are about to see. In either case, it all points down to verse 11. This is what everything's pointing to. All the rejoicing they're doing in, in verse 10 is nothing compared to what they do when they see the child. And isn't that the way that we are? So many times we get stuck on verse 10. Even in Papua New Guinea with the people that we work with. You know what they do? They do just as Roman says. Instead of worshiping the Creator, they worship the created thing. So, so don't get mixed up with the star. It's important. It's incredibly cool. But it's not nearly as incredible as the baby. And that's why look at how they respond. After coming into the house. Let, let me just stop there. Notice what I say, after coming into the manger. Right? If I didn't convince you with the first verse, this must convince you. That this is a different time. This is not when the shepherds are there. They are not in the manger anymore. They have left the manger. They have come to a house. And yet they're still in Bethlehem. So after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary. His mother... And they fell to the ground. That word is prostrate. They literally went face down in front of this child. Why? Because they recognized this child's greater than the star. This child is God. This is the King of Kings. And they worshipped Him. And then opening their treasures, they presented Him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now if you're like me, you might be thinking, "Are, are these guys saved? Is that what is to be represented here? And it's very difficult for us to know why. Because it, it doesn't carry on the story after this. We're not told in, in 20 or 30, 40 years from now that someone comes and, and they tell about how this baby has has been raised and that he lived a perfect life and that he died upon the cross. And they didn't die upon the cross for his sins because he was perfect. Because he is God. And, and that these magi at that point, they... they bow their their heads, so to speak, before the Lord, and they trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, that's not anywhere. We're not told how they die. We're we're not told how how they're dressed. All we're told is how they worship, and I believe that even in the way that they worship, it's quite telling. Because first, when they worship, notice, it's accepted. God accepts their worship. But it goes further than that because they don't merely just bow before the Lord and lie prostrate before Him. What do they do? They do something that is totally unexpected. They, they, they brought literally, it's, it's, in the Greek, it's a treasure chest. And they open up this treasure chest. And then, and then they give the Lord something that, that is appropriate, that, that is costly, And I believe in this, this, this speaks to the fact that they must have known who this was. Because look at the free, the three gifts that they give. Of all the things that they could have chosen when they, when they left their own land, and, and it's understood by this that they were rich. They're wealthy men. They could have chosen anything. And they choose these particular three things, and I believe they choose it with purpose. They choose gold first. Why? Not only because gold was used in the construction of the, of the tabernacle, but more importantly because gold was something associated with kings. These, these wise men aren't kings. That isn't what the Greek word means. It means that they are wise according to the stars. They were learned as far as the stars go. But they're not kings. They recognize who the king of kings is. Kings, The king of kings is. It's this one. And so they, they bring him gold tying him in with with David and all the kings of old but they don't stop there they bring him frankincense you know what frankincense is it's it's pure incense it's what they used in the temple and if you did it wrong you'd be wiped out and it was only to be for Yahweh and it was something that the priest did so so i believe this is this is speaking to him not only being a king but he is a priest and and then finally it's it's myrrh what what is that 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 is used to to make a, a body less repulsive in burial, right? To make it smell better. And in this, you could you could look at it as one is, okay, this is a king who is a priest who is man, or you could look at it as this is a, a king who is priest and is also prophet. He is one who has come to speak the truth of God's Word, just as all the prophets of old did. And what happened to so many of the prophets in the Old Testament? They were killed. They were martyred. And it could be speaking that this Jesus, this Savior that they have come, that they have lied prostrate to, that they are now presenting gifts to, that He is indeed the King of kings, He is the priest, and He is the prophet. And so could it be that they were trusting in everything that they knew up to this point? Yes. And I would say in terms like that, then as far as the Old Testament goes, and believing in the Savior that is to come, that's what they were trusting in. But let me close with this. What happens with these three gifts? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, what do they do with them? They had to be kind of awkward and heavy. How do you carry these things? Right? Look at verse 13. I I wonder, and this is pure conjecture, but but I just wonder if that's, if this is the reason why they came with these gifts practically to help mary and joseph because look at look at what happens with them next now when they had gone speaking of the magi the wise men behold an angel of the lord appeared to joseph in a dream and said get up take the child and his mother and flee to egypt and remain there until i tell you for herod is going to search for the child to destroy him hey get out of town right now whatever you've got pack it up and go okay but remember they were poor Could it be that Joseph used everything that he had just to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem and they have no money? And perhaps what the Lord did is in his goodness, in his providence and in his care for Mary and Joseph, he gives them these gifts so that they could use them not only for the travel to Egypt, but also to live in Egypt until they were told that Herod is dead and they could come back, which was several years Take encouragement from this. You know what? what is the Lord doing? The Lord is providing for Mary and Joseph through the gifts of others. This should be an encouragement on both sides. We need to trust the Lord in how we give. That we need to give. And that the Lord wants to use the gifts that you give to bless others. And you will never know how significant that gift could be. And on the other side, consider these wise men and how long they walked. And how they came and they gave these costly gifts. Why? Because they wanted to adore the king of kings. Because they wanted to worship the king of kings. And so that's what they do. Isn't it also interesting to note that I believe if the Lord hadn't stepped in and hadn't warned these men in a dream, that they would have gone back to Herod. And they would have told Herod exactly what he wanted to hear. But God, He is not fooled even though the wise men were. God knows exactly what Herod is doing. God knows exactly what Satan is doing. And God was not going to allow his plan of redemption to be stopped, to be swayed, to be tweaked in any way. He was going to accomplish what he purposed to do from the beginning. And this should be an encouragement for us as well. On the one side, it's almost a discouragement. Why? Because Satan hasn't changed his plan. Just as he was trying to destroy Christ Back here in this day, he's trying to destroy us as believers today. He wants to tris- trip us up. But we should learn from these wise men. We need to follow their lead. We need to keep seeking the Lord. We need to place ourselves in a position where God can reveal Himself to us. That means we need to spend time in the Word. And finally, we need to follow their lead in worship that we need to continue to give and to worship the Lord. in all that we do, day in and day out, even more so as we are coming into the new year, that we should commit ourselves to being all about seeking the Lord, to being all about having the Lord reveal Himself to us, and that we should be all about worship. Now, I have some points to ponder, and you can take these and, and, and go over them this week. Number one, consider how God speaks to wise men who were astronomers through the stars. What does this communicate about God's knowledge and and care for men? Isn't that cool? Of all the things that he uses, he, he uses something that they would be so excited about. Something that interested them. He does the same with us. Number two, consider the star that led the wise men to the only one worthy of man's worship, Jesus. Little information is given about the star because the star isn't what's important. What's important is what the star led to, worship. God desires our worship. We were created to worship Him. Is there anything in your life which is holding you back or distracting you from worshiping the Lord? Ask the Lord to reveal those things to you. And number three, finally, consider how far the wise men come, seeking the King of the Jews and what they do when they find Him. As we begin our new year this week, what is your attitude towards the Lord this coming up year? Have you committed yourself to being a worshiper of the King? Or are there other things more important to you? Let me close our time. Heavenly Father, we do rejoice in your word and how practical it is for us today, Lord. Thank you for for this journey of the wise men and the things that we can learn from them. That we can see your heart for all mankind, Lord. Use us. Use this church. Use our body to reach the world with your wonderful good news of Jesus Christ. And thank you for teaching us from the wise men. Teach us to seek you more, Lord. To want you to reveal more and more of yourself to us. Make us good students. And make us those that worship you in a worthy manner, Lord, as we go from here. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. Here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951 676 2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.